Hey guys, this is Mo Sider from the Detroit Red Wings. You guys listen to it like Dan Red Wings. Your Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Today is Monday, March 15th, 2021, and today's episode is brought to you by BuiltBar.com. Go to BuiltBar.com right now and enter promo code LOCKDOWN15, or LOCKDOWN15, sorry, and you'll get 15% off of your next order. That's promo code LOCKDOWN15. We have got a great interview with you guys today to start off the week. The Red Wings last night lost to the Carolina Hurricanes 2-1, to uh, but we're going to escape that, that post- post-game sadness for for a day or two here and we are going to uh take a look at the future uh we bring tony ferrari on from dauber prospects he's one of the top scouts in the game today uh absolute pleasure every single time he comes on the show and uh we just start digging into it the, we've got a two-part episode we went a little long so we're going to run one part today and the next part on thursday and today is more you know less of the specific guys to watch we do touch on uh the michigan guys owen power kent johnson uh matthew beneers who is ranked number one in uh the the dauber prospects mid-season ranking so we get into all of that towards the end of today's episode but this mostly is is a lot of the burning questions for this upcoming draft it's how will scouts be affected how will teams be affected which organizations will thrive more than others. And I think a lot of you will be pretty happy to hear with the fact that Tony 100% trusts the operation of the Detroit Red Wings going on. And in a year like this where everything is going crazy and, and everything's, you know, everybody seems it to be at a disadvantage, why the Red Wings might be a little bit less of a disadvantage than all the other teams. So it's a lot of good stuff, a lot of good news. And like I said, towards the end, we start to get into to the Michigan guys. And then on Thursday, we'll start to get into uh, a lot of the other guys, William Eklund, Fabian LaSalle, uh, Jack Hughes, uh, or not Jack Hughes, Luke Hughes, um, you know, all those guys. So it's a lot of fun whenever Tony comes on. I highly urge you to subscribe to make sure that you don't miss that interview uh, or the the second part of the interview on Thursday. Uh, And then tomorrow we're going to recap the Red Wings and Carolina Hurricanes game. Like I said, we did uh, or we do now know the score of that game, uh, but we weren't able to get together tonight. So we ran the interview early uh, and you guys are going to enjoy it. So we'll see you back here uh, at the end of the episode. All right, we are now joined by the managing editor and the head of scouting at Dauber Prospects, also co-host of the Dauber Draft Cast. He is Tony Ferrari, the Tony Ferrari. Vroom, vroom. How's it going, man? Good to have you back. Not too bad. Not too bad. I always enjoy coming back. And anytime I get a talk draft, I'm going to have fun. Now, uh, you guys just released your midseason ranking. So everybody who's listening at home wants to get an inside look at the NHL draft, which if you're a Red Wings fan, I'm assuming you probably want to uh, go check that out. Also on the Dauber draft cast, uh, Tony has been nice enough to record their midseason rankings uh, meeting between him and what was it like 20 staff uh, members? I think there was 15 of us in and out throughout the day. Uh, so him and 15 others compiling the draft rankings. I, I think they, you said they got all the way to 70, 
Yeah, we got we got to about 70, 73 or something like that. And then we're like, you know, guys, let's call this because this recording is going on too long. This meeting has gone on four and a half hours. Like the, the podcast and video version is only about three hours, but um, it was a long meeting. And then we ended up settling a lot of stuff out in private chats and, and, and in our discord and stuff. So it, it's a, it's a big process, but it's a fun process. And that, that little podcast and video that we have out, it, it's a fun little look into how things get done. It was fantastic. And if you, you want to get acquainted with the draft quickly, uh, I would recommend that being the way to do it but we're going to give you a little bit of primer as well so you'll start recognizing some of the names when you jump in there when you go to dauberprospects.com and look at their midseason rankings tony can you give us uh, a quick summary of what to expect in this 2021 nhl draft because at the top we keep hearing there's no clear-cut number one superstar you know there's 10 people eligible to go number one probably more how many people have a legit shot to go number one and what is your i guess overall summary uh, of the draft it's it's a weird draft like at the top i think when when you say eight to ten guys legitimately have a shot at number one i don't think that's wrong by any means um every little outlet and everybody has kind of their favorite guy whether it's owen power myself is fabian lucelle um matthew benier seems to be the one that kind of been on the rise and being being that number one guy more often now but it's an interesting year because i i think whoever you get drafted in that first five picks i think in most years, those guys are, are more five to 10 range prospects. And you're not going to get that, that um, number one guy. You're not going to get the Lafreniere, the Matthews, the McDavid. Um, I, I, I look at on Dauber's board right now, our top three guys are, are Matthew Beniers, William Eklund, the Swedish swinger, and Fabian Lucell, the other Swedish winger that I was just talking about with myself. And, and those three guys would probably slot in around Lucas Raymond last year, maybe even right behind him. Um, so even, even if Detroit gets that first, first overall pick, I, I, there's no guarantee they're getting a prospect that's necessarily better than Lucas Raymond. Um, the guy, I, like I, I mentioned Fabian Lucelle, and he's the guy that kind of compares to Lucas Raymond stylistically skill wise. Um, he may be a little lower on the skill and a little higher on the motor, but it, it, that's kind of the profile of this draft. There isn't really that guy that sticks out and, and, and kind of says, Hey, I, I'm the number one guy and I'm, I'm the guy that's going to change a franchise. It, it, there's just not that in this draft. I kind of would liken the 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 draft lottery this year to winning the coin toss at the beginning of the football game. If you win, you're going to be like, hell yeah. But if you lose, you're going to be like, whatever. Is that yeah. pretty much kind of how, how it's going to go? <laughs> yeah, like the way I look at it this year is like if I'm Detroit, I'm like, you know what? If we end up falling to fourth like we do every single year, it really doesn't matter. Like it's honestly, it might be a better position because if you're at fourth and, and you have someone take Owen Power ahead of you, that maybe stops you from making a mistake and in, in getting that guy first overall because a lot of teams seem to like Owen Power first overall and he's an exceptional player. Like, like don't get me wrong, he's going to be a, a top four defenseman in the NHL. He's got the size, skill, and skating package that every team wants. But there's some pretty big flaws in his game that that don't necessarily get talked about as much because this draft is so desperate for that number one guy and he profiles that way. He looks like the guy. I, I, a lot of people are starting to point out some of the flaws and stuff, especially on the non-mainstream media side of things. And in TSN sports and at those, those organizations, they're always going to go for the guy that is going to make the most headlines and Owen power, the Michigan defenseman, six foot six, two fifteen. That kid looks like a number one overall pick. And, and when he has the puck on his stick, he certainly looks like it, but th there's some flaws defensively, some flaws, decision-making. And because of that, like it, it's not really a shoe in for him being number one. And, and like I mentioned, Matthew Beneers, William Eklund, Fabian LaSalle, even a goalie in Jesper Wallstedt, who, who's arguably better than 
uh, Yaroslav Askarov from a year ago, who, as you you know, from when I was on here talking to you, I was super high in Yaroslav Askarov. Well, I'm <laughs> uh, even higher. I have your... Jesper Wallstack questions. Don't you worry. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I will answer them with with a smile on my face because this kid's a ton of fun. But it really is kind of a, a goofy year because like I was talking to someone earlier, they were talking about a team that's going to be in the playoffs and, and whether or not they should trade their first round pick. And my, my kind of response to them was, if I'm an NHL GM, I trade every single 2021 draft pick I have. I, I punt this draft. And, and that's not even just because of the scouting aspect. It's just a class. I, mm-hmm. I punt this draft. If I can trade a second round pick this year for a second round pick next year, I'm taking that every single day of the week, despite the fact that I do have to delay that process and not be able to get that prospect in my system until next year. Cause it's just going to be a better class next year. And like, man, if I'm competing team, I'm trading that first round pick as soon as I get a chance. March Madness is here, and that means bracket challenges. Join our Lockdown Listener Bracket Challenge group on ESPN. Submit your March Madness picks, beat your favorite hosts, and if you win, you will get a guest appearance on Lockdown Today, our daily news podcast. That's pretty sweet. They don't even let me do that. Uh, the link is in the the link to join is in the show notes of this episode. So get your picks in today. And now back to Tony Ferrari. There's an old man sitting next to me. Make love to his tonic and gin. <laughs> That's that's crazy to hear. Like that's like that's like that's a statement. You know what I mean? Like being that oh, like the same exact pick, same exact range, especially in a team that's that's like the Red Wings that is going to be probably competing for that top end pick for this year and next year. Hearing to just like like hey man, if you can get if you can get the same exact level of pick or the same exact type of pick for the following year, that's as a listener and as as someone who's trying to figure out what we should do, that's wild. Like that that's that's a statement really to to be made. And is that is that more of a testament? Do you think of this class particularly, or is next year's class? I know that's a, a whole another thing in itself, but is next year's class significant, like a really good one too, or is that just more like this class being what this class is? Yeah, I think it's a combination of both, really. Like, if we look at 2020 as the the baseline class, where you got Lafreniere, Byfield, Stutzler, Raymond at sure. the top of the draft, you go, okay, that's the baseline. This class is a step or two below that. In next year's class, is probably a step or two ahead of it. There's three guys next year who I, I'd probably go, you know what, they'd maybe compete for number one last year if they were all at the same age, obviously. It's hard to, especially two, three years apart, it's hard right, to really sure. compare, but it's one of those years where like, if I'm Detroit, like you're going to get a good player in, in this draft. Like if I'm Detroit, I'm not doing that. Like I'm not right, trading right. that top pick, but <laughs> if I'm Toronto or if I'm Tampa Bay, like I'm going to punt that pick down the road if I can, because maybe you get a guy that you can help you on the playoffs run this year. And uh, it's been a weird year for everyone with the COVID and the pandemic and everything. So it's not really a, a year that I'm loving having a pick in the 15 to 20 range or 15 to 30 range, because there, you probably realistically get your guy in the second round. And if you do miss on him, there's probably another guy pretty close in, in talent level at pick 40 or pick 50. So it's a weird year. If you can get that top 10 pick, I, I do think there is a, a kind of a gap between uh, probably 12 and, and the rest of the class, but it is a weird year. And, and if I'm Detroit, if, if you could give me, Hey, Detroit trades the number one overall pick this year for next year's number one overall, no matter what that's guaranteed. I'm hundred percent taking that. But the reality <laughs> is Detroit's going to trade the first overall pick this year and then get the sixth overall pick next year. And <laughs> let's be honest. Like no, as right. much as I've kind of talked up last year's class, like the sixth overall pick is going to be a good player and he probably would compete in the first overall pick this year. But 
getting that guy like Matty Beneers or, or even if you do decide to go Owen Power, Brant Clark, something like that on defense, then right. you're going to get a good pl- player regardless. Um, if you were to guess, because I listened to uh, the Dauber draft ca- or what's Dauber Prospects Radio with uh, Peter Harling. Yep. Yes. Uh, so I listened to that. He he did a like a fantasy rankings thing with uh, Steve Cornianos, the draft analyst. Peter basically said that he it's of his belief that the uh, draft will be held this year. And if it wasn't going to be held this year, somebody probably would have said something about it. They would have found out. He said that was just his guess. I don't want to say that that's he's reporting that or anything like that. He's just guessing based off that speculation. But the OHL uh might kind of dictate that do you see do you see the ohl playing a factor in whether or not this draft gets held this year or whether it gets pushed to 2022 because those rumors have been coming within the last month or so well i'm gonna first be very happy to announce that it's definitely not happening next year it's happening in july um elliot friedman i think tweeted a little bit about that uh, earlier today saying that with the news of the draft lottery changes coming uh yesterday and early today again um that likely means that there's no draft being moved because if that gotcha. was the case, then that probably would have been included with that news. Um, from what I know, I've talked to some scouts in, on NHL teams, uh, multiple teams, uh, both Eastern and Western conference. And the feeling is it's a very GM driven initiative. The scouts do not want it. Um, uh, every scout I've talked to, except for one um, was saying that, no, like we can get our stuff done. The, the OHL is not going. And of, of course that sucks. Um, but this is a really weird year, but the alternative to pushing it back next year, do, do you really want to scout two draft classes at once? It's not really realistic yeah, because right. then you're, you're just doubling the work for your scouts and, and then having them do what nothing this year. Like it, it just doesn't make sense realistically. Um, so like Elliot Friedman said, it's, it's happening in July. I, I think everyone's kind of marked it down now. Um, you're starting to see, I think Calgary's GM came out today and he was like, Oh, well, I would have liked it moved back, but we'll have to see exactly what happens. I, I know there's reports that it's staying and he was kind of complaining and moaning about it, but like the, the scouts on that team have told people that they, they don't want it moved. Like it's, yeah. it's a GM initiative. And honestly, the reason I think it's, it's GM driven is because it's the GM's name that's on the line. Like if the GM messes up yeah. a pick this year, as much as he's going to be able to go, oh, it was a COVID year and, and make the excuses that I, I still don't think are valid anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's going to be the one fired. The scout, maybe he lost through another regime. I, I was just looking through Buffalo scouting staff today because they <laughs> there is some stuff that uh, Buffalo's been doing. And I was looking through some of their scouting <laughs> I, I staff heard, today. I heard things aren't going so well there. I don't... <laughs> oh, it's uh, just <laughs> glad you're Detroit fans. I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, uh... <laughs> But, it could be no, worse Buff- everybody yeah exactly right but buffalo <laughs> scouts like they, they have guys that have been there for three regimes now so yeah even though the gm gets fired you're not going to necessarily get fired as a scout and, and the scouts are the ones doing the work realistically like the gm hasn't put on the first round pick maybe the second round pick and, and then it's mostly kind of talking to scouts and hey what does the swedish scout say what does the the finnish scouts say hey how about the russian guy and kind of pulling everyone and kind of making a judgment off that of course he has the final decision and everything but for the most part, the scouts are the ones doing the work. So if the scouts don't want this moved, I don't see a reason to really move it myself. Um, mm-hmm. I'm one guy. I came up with a list. Of, I have right now. I currently have a list of over 300 players. Um, I haven't seen every single one. There's guys in the back part of that list that I haven't seen. And but I, I've watched at least 250 of them myself. Yeah. And so it, it's like you can do this. And in most of the top OHLers, they went over to Slovakia. They went over to Slovenia. They went over to Finland. Um, you're seeing Brant Clark go over to Slovakia and he's winning defenseman of the month or in stuff. So it, it's like, 
you're seeing these guys play. You don't necessarily need the OHL to come back. It's, it's obviously as much as we all want it to come back because there are guys that aren't playing and they are going to end up getting dinged. But there's been rumors and stuff and, and that the OHL is going to return in April. And hopefully that does stick through. And there was some good news today from the Ontario government saying some things about, hey, we, we're optimistic. Like we could get this thing running in three to four weeks. And hey, if we can get it running in three to four weeks, I'm going to be pumped because that means hopefully I can get to a couple of rinks around here because uh, it's been a little bit depressing not being able to see these games live. I tell you what, I I just mentioned I went to go see Michigan and Wisconsin play. Walking into Yoast, uh, after, and that was the last place I was to see a hockey game before the pandemic. Like walking into Yoast and just like being on the ground floor, I was like, oh my, like there's truly nothing Nothing like it. I, I wish that same fortune onto you uh, very soon. But I got one more question before we move into like specific players. Cause you just mentioned like, you know, the scouts, they are, are pushing for it this year. How much of an advantage is it to have a really good scouting department any year like this? Because from, from Detroit's perspective, I think uh, the general consensus is that they have one of the top scouting departments in the league is that, are you going into a year like this, like kind of thinking like this is actually a little bit of an advantage for the Red Wings or, or is it not really going to kind of play out like that? I think it is. And I think specifically for the Red Wings, I'm glad you brought that up because the Red Wings are notoriously excellent at drafting in Europe. And that's where a lot of the hockey has been played this year. Even some of them, like I said, I mentioned the North American kids, Grant Clark, Carson Lambos, Francesco Pinelli, Mason McTavish, they've all been playing in Europe. That means your European scouts are the ones getting eyes on them. That means your European scouts are the guys doing the work. And that means Hawk and Anderson is going to be able to kind of go in there and be like, hey, I saw Fabian Lucell or William <laughs> Eklund, and, and they were pretty fantastic. Like, we can take them third overall or whatever it ends up being. And I think it's an advantage having a good scouting staff. And I think it's an advantage having an adaptable scouting staff. There's, there's a few teams around the league, and I'm not going to throw anyone out of the bus because I, I just I'm, – I don't want to do it really, and I don't want to get uh, – shit on by them but there's a few teams around the league that have less than adaptable scouting staffs and, and you're good i think you're going to notice that this year when they're drafting guys off of what they saw last year and they're drafting guys off a very limited viewings because i know there's scouts around the league that are just completely against watching on video because i don't get to get in the rink and i don't get to get the feel and i don't get to get the this and that and all these stupid excuses quite frankly because with video that like of course you want the live viewings. If you'd like to make a blend of both, I try to usually myself, especially with the guys around me, like I'll travel a couple hours at least to see guys because those live viewings are important. But if you can get three, four, five viewings in the same time, you get one live viewing that you have to drive an hour away for, you're going to have an advantage because you get to see that kid in so many more different situations and so many different aspects of his game. So in one sense, there's an advantage. Of course, you'd like the live viewings, but I think video scouting is going to take over after this year, and it's really going to evolve, I think, going forward. And a team like Detroit, a team like Toronto, Tampa, Boston, they, they have these scouting staffs that are more than willing to adapt. So um, Buffalo doesn't have a scouting staff right now. Like That's just <laughs> the, the fact of the matter. Like I think so, like someone tweeted today, a Buffalo reporter, that said they don't have a Finnish scout, they don't have a Russian scout, and they don't have a scout for the WHL. You were just – I. They said they're doing video work and stuff like that, but if you don't have a scout that's at least dedicated to that league or that yeah. region, like I write for Dauber Prospects and I'm the manager for the for the website, and I have multiple scouts for most of those regions. Like, yeah, it's not that hard, man. Like, I Buffalo's really fallen behind, and, and I mean, we've seen how bad their season's been, but 
a, a situation like that. And I only use them because they are the one that is most open and out there, but th- there's other teams that are in similar boats that either are missing a scout from a region or they just, they're not willing to adapt to video and that's putting them behind the eight ball. I love it. I love for Detroit to add to the Swedish mafia. I, I love, I love hearing that. I love seeing that we got people out there. That's wonderful. All right, guys, got to jump in here to talk to you real quick about Built Bar. Now, if you've been following along with the matchups at BuiltBar.com, then you know that we've got one heck of a tournament going on here. Uh, And the next matchup that we have got today for the best-tasting protein bar on the market for a while now uh, is going to be, it looks like, peanut butter brownie versus coconut almond, and then salted caramel versus cookie dough chunk. Now, this is... This is a this is this is a tough region. I'm not gonna lie to you, folks. Peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, both on a level of its own, as well as salted caramel and cookie dough chunk. There's not, something about these uh, all four of those flavors that like just you got to be in the mood for specifically that. And nothing else will fit that craving. Luckily for you, you can buy you know when you get your first box, you can like mix and match. It's pretty sweet, so you can you can try them all. But for this uh, for the purposes of this competition, it truly is a shame. Because one of them is, is unfortunately going to have to go. The good news is, like I said, no matter which bar you get, they're all going to be low calorie. They're all going to be low sugar. They're all going to be high protein. They're all going to be high fiber. And they're all going to have an amazing taste to them and uh, be covered in 100% chocolate. So go to BuiltBar.com right now or go to Bar underscore Built on Twitter and uh, get the lowdown on some of the matchups. And when you go to BuiltBar.com right now, remember to use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-15, to get 15% off of your next order, that's LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, to get 15% off of your next order and at BuiltBar.com. And check back today to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar. Also got to talk to you guys about Bet Online. It's the easiest and fastest way to bet on all of your sports action. Now listen, guys, football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV Real-time updated odds on almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets. And, best of all, it is free to sign up. And it's not just free. That's not even the best part. I I lied to you guys. Now, here's the real best part. It's not only free, but when you sign up today, head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up, and you will receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit it is literally free money just for signing up they will match it up to 50 percent uh, on your welcome bonus with your first deposit when you use our promo code locked on that's l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n promo code locked on to get 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit at bet online your online sportsbook experts Last in this period. matt Beniers was uh number one on Dobbers board was his world juniors like really that that much of a, a groundbreaker like I because I know he was playing with Caulfield and, and Boldy and I talked to Nate Lehman a couple weeks ago he said he really he did everything on that line is that what took him to number one because I, I don't really remember him being in that conversation until last couple months I would love to say yes but like we didn't even mention it in the meeting at all like the world junior performance. I don't think we said it once. Yeah. Um, he's just been like, we, we started kind of talking about him after our first rankings meeting in November, where I think we had him eight. And we, like right after that, he started to pick up steam and like going into the world juniors. We're like, man, like this kid's about to pop. Like he, at that point he was in the top three or four on our board and, he, and then he popped with the world juniors. And 
we have a very hard and steadfast rule that we don't do anything adjusting the rankings right after the world juniors, because as much as we'd love to be like, Oh, well, this guy had such a good six games. Mm. Like it is six games and, and you got to value it as six games. So we, we always like to kind of revisit things about a month after the world juniors, let the hype die down, kind of look at things and kind of make a judgment there. And, and by that point it was him and I think four, four other guys that were in a discussion for the number one spot. And it was really interesting to see because we we actually did an exercise where every scout ended up doing a top 15 individually and we released that together as well that's up on dauber prospects as we speak so in what what we went into that is every scout from every region had to watch the top 20 top 30 guys and then make a list of their top 15 and just to see how different it was and just to see what the different perspectives from all 15 of us were and it was really interesting because matthew benears was the guy that ended up being number one on most of our lists um, William Eklund and Fabian Lucelle were also were tied for second, and then Jesper Walst at the goalie. He was on two two lists at number one. So um, with Matthew, I love Beneers, that. I love with Matthew, it. yeah, with Matthew Beneers, it's just the fact that he does play such a complete game. Like we, we kind of ended up with with a tier at the top of three guys right ahead of Jesper Walstet in Eklund, Lysel, and in Beneers, and we're like, okay, like you look at these three guys and, and Beneers the one that's probably the safest. You you look at him and you go, he's going to be a second line center at, at at worst, probably he's going to be a guy that kind of sits in that like Nazem Kadri to Dylan Larkin somewhere, somewhere in that range where, yes, he could be the number one center, but you'd like another guy, at least his level right behind him. So um, it, it's an interesting prospect with him, but, and then you got William Eklund, who's probably the, a good balance. He's got some more upside than, than Beneers, but he doesn't quite have the same se- uh, floor. Like Beneers is a little bit more of a surefire pick. And then you have Lysel, my favorite guy of the bunch, who's this like, high pace, high speed, high attack, just tenacious on the puck. He's only 5'10", but he throws hits like like it's nothing. Like he's a really fun player to watch, a really energetic player, and he's got a, a high high ceiling. He's the one guy out of this group that I look at and I go, that could be a first first line player. Like he could end up being the one guy in this group that ends up having a couple seasons where he does score a point a game. But at the same time, he does come with a little bit more risk because he does play that kind of aggressive game as a, as a slightly undersized player at 5'10", 170. So you look at that that tier of three guys, and I think that's your number one. That's where, at least for us, where we look at number one right now. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, Matthew Beneers is probably the guy that gets up there because he's a little bit safer than the other two. But yeah, those three guys are just, it's a ton of fun to watch them because they all play very different styles of game. Is there like going, focusing just on the University of Michigan, right? Like how how much of an anomaly and how crazy is it that we have three people that are all, kind of gunning not only to go really high but honestly for the top and is that more of a testament to and like nobody's there to see just it. right that's yeah. also <laughs> very sad yeah very sad um is that a testament to like like when they committed to michigan it was like okay these three are or is this more of like a michigan's just a powerhouse in their development thing or is it just a style of play type of a thing I think coming into the year, everyone looked at Owen Power and Kent Johnson, and they went, those are the two guys that have a real shot, number one. Matthew Beneers is going to be a top 10 guy. And, and they looked at them, and they're like, man, they, this is a really good group of three three players. And they had a ton of freshmen coming in, like Matt, or, or Thomas Bordalo, Brendan Brisson. Like, th- their freshman talent is just unbelievable this year for Michigan. So it, it's these three guys plus some. But these three guys, they're, they're just such good talents. Like, they, they came into the year with a ton of hype. Um, and I think the one guy that wasn't getting respected at the start of the year is 
Matthew Beneers, and he's the one that's kind of getting a lot of the respect now. Sure. Um, Owen Power and Kent Johnson, both exceptional talents. Like you said, having three guys that are realistically all contenders for first overall is an impressive thing. And I think it's more of a fluke than, than an actual development thing from Michigan sure. um, because I think all three of these guys were in that range to start the year. So Michigan just got really lucky with a loaded freshman class. Like they've got so much talent on that team this year. And I, I'd expect most of those guys to be back with Michigan next year. So they're going to be a fun, fun team to watch next year. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if they weren't challenging for the national title next year. Fedorov gives him the business. All right, big thanks to Tony Ferrari. Like I said, go check out DauberProspects.com. Go check out their midseason rankings. They do absolutely fantastic work, and we're a big fan. Uh, that's why we're bringing Tony back on for part two on Thursday to talk about all the rest of the guys in his top ten uh, and break things down just a little bit more. We also give him a chance to take a victory lap on Mo Sider because he was he was one of the guys who was banging the table for Mo Sider leading up to the draft. Everybody told him he was crazy. Red Wings draft him at six. He looks like a genius, then continues to look like a genius by how well most Cider has played since being drafted by the Red Wings. So be sure to subscribe, and when that episode drops on Thursday, it'll be waiting for you when you wake up. And I don't want to get too ahead of myself and, and even really make the, you know, even tease it a little bit without Ethan and Scott here while I do these uh, in cappers. We got a really big guest coming next week. We, If everything goes according to plan, I hope I don't have to double back on this comment. We, as far as I understand, have a very, very, probably the biggest guest we've had uh, in the history of the show coming on next week. So I'm really excited. Big things ahead. Join the movement or get left behind. Uh, follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Red Wings. And we'll see you back here tomorrow. Same time, same place. It's your team every day. <laughs>